Welcome to the Kinjas Podcast. Here we will discuss dance, life, and whatever the f*** we want. Welcome back to another episode of the Kinjas Podcast, Movement in the Shadows. What are you using your microphone for? What are you using your stage for? What are you using your influence for? These are all questions that I think really matter in terms of pursuing one's dream. Not to say that you have to have all that stuff figured out beforehand, whether it's to pursue a career in music, dance, movies. Um, Normally those things start from just simply a passion and a desire to be a part of something that you find to be interesting and fun. And I think that's great. That's where dreams start. And I think that's where they should start. You should be into the things that you're into because they're fun and you have a natural draw to it. But as you start pursuing that career... And if you find success and you start getting a bigger stage, a bigger microphone, so to speak, how are you using that? What are you going to do to uh, impact the world? And in what way are you going to do that? My guest today is Scott Budnick. Scott Budnick is a film producer. He is the executive producer, one of the executive producers of the Hangover series, which was the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time. He's also produced movies such as Due Date, War Dogs, Project X, and most recently, Just Mercy. He is the founder of Anti-Recidivism Coalition, or ARC, which is an LA-based nonprofit organization, which is a support network for formerly incarcerated individuals and advocates for criminal justice reform. In 2012, he was awarded the California's Governor's Volunteer of the Year Award. Uh, This talk with Scott was another one that went a direction that maybe I wasn't expecting, which always are my favorite conversations. I met Scott years ago uh, back in Las Vegas when he was working on the Hangover movies. And uh, since then, we've interacted a bunch, but there was a lapse in time. In the past maybe five to eight years, we haven't uh, really seen each other and recently connected. And um, we talk about the, the films that you know he made to how he got into filmmaking what was driving him to do those, you know, to pursue that career from making a career switch from from pursuing the medical field to making films. And, um, you know, as I was hoping or not even hoping, but just thinking that we were going to just kind of reminisce about that stuff. He had a very just like short and sweet and to the point way of talking about certain things, because I can kind of tell not to say that he's not. Um, into those projects that he's done or even proud of them it's just not what he's passionate about now I guess and I think as we started transitioning into um, ARC the 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 nonprofit that he started I kind of started to see him light up a little bit more Um, even in just his physiology to I could just see he's excited and passionate about this and he took a five-year break from making films to really focus on his nonprofit, and uh, coming back into the film industry to put out a film such as Just Mercy, which is right up that alley in terms of the messaging and the the social um, issues with the the criminal justice system. I think this man's vision for his platform is very clear. I think that's something that I really respected and gleaned from this conversation. He recognizes the the resources that he has. He recognizes the platform that he has because of the projects and the quote-unquote success that he's created for himself. But how he's using what he has to create the future for himself, even as an individual, and to create things that are going to impact not just his personal life, but impact so many lives um, out there that that need help, essentially, that need visibility. Um, Scott, is his focus is very much in that space. And even for myself as a man and individual, to be able to see somebody who's using what he has in the way that he's doing it, super inspiring to me. I think for anybody who's out there trying to pursue that dream, pursue it. It's great. I encourage it. We encourage it. But 
I would also say even from a conversation like this as a reminder to myself and as a challenge and as an encouragement to you guys out there, try to dig a little bit deeper to ask yourself why. Why are you going to pursue the things that you want to pursue? What what it is about this dream that you want so badly and once you get there, wherever there is, what do you want to do with that? How are you going to use that? I think this is a great challenge. I think it's, uh, again, like I said, I was personally really inspired. I think this man is a, a just a well of just rich knowledge and wisdom. A fun conversation, great co- like great catch up with the guy. Um, even lightning round was, I think, you know, some of our guests don't really do it in lightning fashion. But Scott, like I said, is a man who just knows what he wants, knows what he believes and very able to just answer those questions like straight into the point and just this man's focus and intention for what he's doing is so clear um i think this one's really good let's hop right in welcome back to another episode of the kinja's podcast movement in the shadows i'm your host ben we got the squad outside we got justin jay Lai making it all work out there and folks i'm very excited across from me is my good friend scott budnick he is joining the pod today. Scott, thank you so much for coming through and blessing the pod, man. Come on, man. This space is incredible, man. I'm going to come start hanging out down here. Dude, you're bit. down the street. You're at you're at the row, right? Is right. it the row or row? I keep saying the row, but people keep correcting me, calling it, I, take out I, the the. I, I have no clue. All right. Row. All right. Um, anyway, uh, for those of you who may not know who Scott Budnick is, Scott is a film producer he is the executive producer of the Hangover series, which was the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time. That's crazy. Um, you may also know him from movies like Due Date, War Dogs, Project X, and most recently, Just Mercy. I love that film, by the way. Thank you, brother. Founder of Anti-Recidivism Coalition. Good job saying it. Tried my best. I practiced nice. that one. Um and uh, in 2012, you were awarded the California's Governor Governor's Volunteer of the Year Award. That's pretty sick. I want to get into all that. But um, yeah, Scott, uh, one, I'm super stoked because it's been years since we last saw each other. We we're trying to at like, least go five back. years, at least five. Um, and we, I think we pinpointed it to the last time was doing a TED Talk at. Uh, at was in the county prison in Blythe, in Ironwood like, Prison. Ironwood Prison. That's like out in Coachella-ish area in the middle of the desert. Yeah, right. Where you performed in a in a prison gym yeah. with like Richard Branson yes. from Virgin and yeah others there. That was crazy, man. I mean, I'm a big fan of the TED series, and for us to have had that opportunity was wild, and to be able to perform. And then to see Sir Richard Branson go on right after us was like, what are we doing over here? It was wild. Some cool man. stuff. Yeah. But um, let's, let's, let's take it backwards, man. We love to start at the beginnings of things. What is the origin stories of Scott Budnick? Where did you grow up? That whole good stuff. So uh, I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia, into a pretty privileged life. Um, dad was a doctor. Mother was a teacher. Um and kind of suburban, like white kid uh, growing up. But I mean, I also like gravitated towards things that are just way more real and, and a little bit more struggle, not for me, but just for others. And I started DJing and I started like DJing in like the housing projects in Atlanta yeah. and um, went to Emory University, which is in Atlanta and ultimately moved out to LA to get in the movie business in 1999. Um, but, uh, it was when I was in college that like led me to the film business. I was pre-med, like literally I was studying to be a doctor Mm -hmm. and, uh, a casting director asked us to come down, uh, and be extras in a, like a TNT miniseries about a civil war prison camp. So me and like a hundred friends from Emory went down at five in the morning to like this outdoor prison camp. And they put, put us in like civil war uniforms and put lice in our hair, fake lice. And like, we were laying in the mud in this outdoor prison camp. And, uh, it was a crazy experience. It was freezing cold. Everyone I was with was miserable. And just when like they couldn't be more miserable, like the director said, cue the rain machine. And it started raining on us, freezing cold water and freezing cold weather. 
And like all of them, like, were like, we're out of here. And they took the bus back down and stranded me there. But I stayed because I was like watching the director, like on a crane with a camera, like swooping down. And it was just an incredible experience. And so I decided in that moment to change from being a doctor to being a filmmaker and stayed and started working for that casting director that hired me on that day. And that really changed the trajectory of my life. And the day of graduation, I moved out to California and that was that. Did you, so you studied med, but then how do you, how does one just decide to be like, I'm going to drop that and make films instead? Because I mean, people study their butts off to become filmmakers. I mean, I just like, I followed my heart. Mm. I followed my passion. It's like, I wasn't going to get forced into anything and there was no one forcing me into it. Um, And... I went and saw a business that just really intrigued me that I thought I'd be really good at and really kind of self-reflected and like, how do I want to spend the rest of my life? Hmm. What do I want my life to look like? And changed majors on that day and became a business and film major and and went straight towards the movie business. Did you go to school? You you went to film school then? Went to school in Atlanta, yeah, film school. Got you. Were you always... um, as a kid kind of driven, you know, kind of an ambitious, like always a go-getter in terms of what you wanted to do. You always just kind of knew it or. Yeah, but it always came from passion, right? Like I was, I'm super ambitious, but it always came from passion. It didn't come from making money uh, or anything that was really superficial. Like I think my parents really kind of grounded us very well. Yeah. Um, it came from like really like wanting to be passionate about something. Yeah. What were you passionate about as a kid before, like even college and all that stuff? I mean, I always like, because I was DJing in the hood, like, mm-hmm. like working with kids who had nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like having a dad who was a doctor and like really into like giving back. Like we would always like, he had me working at camps for kids with cancer and mm. in the pediatric oncology like kids that were dying of cancer that was in our the hospital right by our house so i was always always like volunteering Mm. and 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 interning in those places and so i moved out to la and i got into the film business and my first job um was on a movie called road trip with with a director named todd phillips it was his Mm -hmm. first movie and um he ultimately went on to you know do all the hangovers and and joker and everything else but um I spent the first four years in LA, like really rising up fast in the movie business and uh, becoming a producer and becoming the president of Todd's company. But there was like something missing from my life because of all the stuff I did in Atlanta where I was just here and I felt like I was trapped in a bubble. And I don't know if you guys like in the dance world ever feel this, but it's like we got, I got trapped in like an entertainment industry bubble where like every meal and every conversation was all about the same shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I need to be doing some real stuff. Like, mm. and it really took a friend of mine saying, come down to this creative writing class in a juvenile hall where kids are incarcerated. Um, and that day changed my life. Hmm. That's awesome. Um, I, I think that, you know, I always get very intrigued by um, when people say like, oh, I was always ambitious or I was always driven by passion. Um, I guess it can kind of come, you know, internally from yourself, but most often it's inspired by something or somebody or somebody around you kind of influenced you in that way. And it seems like your dad maybe kind of was that person for you, kind of like a mentor figure for you. I think both my mom and my dad, I mean, both of them were great people, but to be honest with you, I think it was actually my parents divorce when I was 15 Mm -hmm that really, really had me like look inside and just say like, you know what? I need to go, I need to get this. Maybe part of it was like, I need to keep myself busy. So I don't like pay attention to the fact that like my parents just decided to like rip themselves apart from each other. Yeah. Um, but whatever the reason was like, I knew like in that moment, I like, I'm going to start a DJ company and boom, I started a DJ company and like music was my healing Mm. through that. Um, and that led me towards movies and film and storytelling. And and I became passionate, uh, around that. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I honestly think, yeah, it was my mom and my dad and like what they pushed me to and what their values were. But I also feel like it was the fact that they split up Mm. 
um, that like really like like got got the fire within me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so after you kind of so you worked with Todd Phillips on Road Trip, um, and then the Hangover came out a few years later after that, right? Um, so that. I remember when I first watched it, I had no idea what kind of movie I was going to get myself into. And it was just like a wild ride. And then the following two movies that came out after that. So with that being the highest grossing R-rated comedy of all time, was that something for you um, off top? You were like, this is going to be it? Like, you know what I mean? Were you expecting it to be as big as it was? No, I mean, here's the crazy part is like we made three hit movies to start road trip old school and starsky and hutch and then we made a stinker called school for scoundrels Mm. um (laughs) and you find out like when you make something that loses money and doesn't do well you really find out who your real friends are like yeah when 80 percent of the people stop returning your calls but 20 percent stick by you yeah you realize that and the hangover was just simply a general meeting that uh, while working for Todd, I had in my office with two writers and before they left the meeting, I'm like, hey, just pitch me a couple ideas that you guys have to see if something sticks. Mm -hmm. And they said, oh, we have this idea about a bachelor party, but you don't see the bachelor party because everyone gets too fucked up and they lose the groom and they got to find the groom and it's an investigation. And I'm just like, wow, that's a unique way into a bachelor party movie. So I immediately brought them in to see Todd he tripped out at like at the idea and just started developing it. Um, and the crazy part is you go and you shoot a movie and the funny, that's actually where I met you guys. Yeah. Right. When we were there doing hangover Uh in Vegas is how I met you. Yeah. And some of the like incredible people that we met shooting that film, but you never know what you have. Right. Until a bunch of strangers sitting in a movie theater tell you. So, we were in the editing room and we thought we had something. I mean, Todd had a cut that was just incredible, but not until you put it in front of 400 strangers for the first time Mm -hmm. and you're watching it with them. And like in the end, when the pictures at the end, where you actually see the bachelor party and all those crazy ass pictures, (laughs) like that's when they went just ape shit crazy. And someone threw a tub of popcorn in the air and like, (laughs) They were just going wild, yeah. and then we knew like we got something special. Yeah, yeah. So with that, yeah, we did meet in Vegas. You guys were out there shooting the Hangover, and I think that's something that um, that really just uh, stuck out to me about you was, I mean, yeah, like you, maybe maybe it's that you're a DJ, you're into hip hop culture and stuff like that, and you know we had just kind of that was kind of in the beginning, couple years of Jabberwockies in Vegas. And um, it was at the Monte Carlo was yeah, when I first saw yeah, you guys. That was like our first like long term residency there. Yeah. And then, um, by the way, it was Tabitha Napoleon that introduced me to you guys because I took a like a Hollywood general meeting with them about movies and stuff. Yeah. And they're like, you got to see this show in Vegas. Thank you for like because I was trying to trace back. What was no, that I don't even meeting? know if any of you guys knew that. Like yeah, it was maybe not. Nah, it was Tabitha Napoleon that uh-huh. put, put me in. I'd already heard of you guys from Rich and Tone. Okay, yeah. So it's like I'm hearing Jabberwockies all the time. Right. I didn't watch the show, so I, I was a little ignorant. Yeah. Um, and then I go to Vegas and I sit in the Monte Carlo, and it was just like a mind blowing experience. <laughs> I'm like, okay, this is why I'm on Earth to like witness art like this. That's wild. So with that though, man, like, cause I'm, I'm getting a sense from you that, um, I mean, you say you, you really only kind of just go towards the things that you actually believe in, passionate about, um, things that mean something to you. Um, so as a filmmaker, you know, I'm sure you're presented with all types of ideas to pitches to concepts and all that. How do you kind of sift through that stuff to kind of, um, cause I mean, people are pulling at your attention, you know, from all over, I would imagine. Um, how do you decipher like what sorts of things that, you I mean, it's give like your attention to it's, it's like drinking out of a fire hose. Like it's, there's a mm. lot coming at you. Yeah, yeah. Um, luckily then, and now I have a team of people that filter everything. Uh, the interns read it first, then the mm. assistants read it second, then the executives read it third. And so like. Uh, then everyone gets in a meeting to discuss it together and say, should we bring it to Scott? So like, 
it's cool to being in this place. I used to be the guy that had to filter everything at the way bottom. Yeah. Now everything gets filtered. So like really I get to see the cream of the crop. Like 98% of the stuff coming is not going to work. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean it's not good. It's just not within our mission or not mm-hmm. what we're doing. Um, not what we're looking for. Um, and so, but when you find that thing, when you read that script or hear that idea, that you know is the one that, I mean, that's just the most exciting moment of all. Cause then you get to call that writer or tell the writer, like we're into this and it now it becomes like fast track to like, we need to make this a movie, right? Mm-hmm. This pitch, the pitch of the hangover, the eight, the one minute pitch needs to turn into a 12 page treatment needs to turn into a 120 page script, mm-hmm. which needs to turn into a movie. And that process could take a year, two years, three years, four years, or it could go on forever and never get made. So yeah. it's like, um, it gets real exciting when you find that thing and you believe in it and you go. Mm. You do you? Um, I mean, because like so for Hangover Two, um, Phil Phil Ty SB he had a, a song that you just decided to toss in the film, and you know, I mean, you would think that you know these big Hollywood movies are all gonna go after the big name artists to you know and all that, but you know you kind of in some sense took a risk like nah I, I dig this track let's throw it in there and you you kind of take these moves that may seem kind of like unconventional or mm-hmm. risky like how why 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 do you function in that way versus like yo we need to get the big names because this is going to be a big hollywood movie well it's fun it's funny it was actually project x not oh, project it. it was project yeah, x yeah, remember yeah, the high school party movie it was high school party movie and yeah. i mean in, in truth there's two things um, one, we had already spent so much money on huge artists, right? So like, if you listen yeah. to it, like the Eminem's in it and Jay-Z right. and Kanye yeah. are in it, right? And like, uh, there's that, the great, like Cuddy Pursuit of Happiness track yeah. that was like a huge, like theme song of that film. So part of it was just like, oh shit, we ran out of budget. Like, <laughs> like, like how do yeah. we find dope uh-huh. shit that isn't going to cost like what, yeah. what, like what Kanye and Jay-Z charge, right? Right. right. Um, but part of it too was like listening to his music and the production of it and being ahead of the curve. And it's like, I feel like, like with project X, we wanted to be ahead of the curve. Like, yes, you have the big bangers, but like, we wanted to like break talent on that too. And we wanted to like put out music that no one heard and be ahead Mm -hmm. of the curve. Um, cause I mean that, let's be honest, like that movie probably was skewed very, very young. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so being able to like go to your friends and I mean, I went to a thousand people and said, give me, give me music. Like we had to find it. Like that movie is just chocked full of music from beginning to end. Oh, yeah. But when Phil sent me those tracks, um, it ended up, it ended up becoming the whole end credit song, like the yeah. end credit yeah. of, of, so twice it's like, there's two songs in the movie. Uh-huh. One is the entire end credits of project uh-huh. X. And one is, um, when they, uh, go to the drug dealer's house, yeah. uh, right before or after that, uh, to buy the drugs for the party. Yeah. It was like playing in the um, car, right? Yeah. Those are my irresponsible movie days. <laughs> Got it. Well, I, speaking of project X, that was also like a really interesting way. It was kind of a shot, almost documentary style on a, like, you know, just people's camcorders and mm-hmm. all that. And just obviously just the most epic high school party ever. And to me, it kind of reminded me of, uh, was it the film Cloverfield, you know, yeah. it was like shot, like it's supposed to make it feel like you're in the freaking movie and all that. Um, how, how did that uh, project in terms of the creative of being shot in that kind of way, how did that kind of come about? I mean, it, it was, it, it was uh, me and the other producer on it named Alex Heineman went to lunch at Warner brothers and we're literally eating like a damn Cobb salad. And he looks at me and he goes, have you ever thought of doing like a comedy, like a found footage movie? And I'm like, that's interesting because, you know, Blair Witch and Cloverfield have come out, but no one did a comedy that way. I'm like, what are you thinking? And he's like, watch this video. And he pulls up this YouTube video of this kid in Australia named Corey Worthington who like threw a party (laughs) in his Australian neighborhood Uh that like cop cars were smashed and like houses caught on fire and cars were destroyed. And (laughs) they're interviewing him after the party. And the reporter is like, why did you do this? Do you understand you damaged your parents' house? And like, this kid just like, doesn't give a fuck. Like he just does not care. (laughs) And he's wearing these shades. And then she's like, you're so disrespectful. Like take off your glasses. And he's like, no, I'm not taking off my glasses. And like, literally he's fighting with the reporter and this kid, (laughs) this kid was so arrogant. And we're like, dude, that is the greatest character. So Costa in project X is like kind of a, a little bit after that kid. 
And um, wait, was uh, that an actual real? Thing? It was. It was that was a real party. So like, Costa was inspired by that Holy kid. It's crap. a full different character, but it was like inspired by seeing that YouTube video. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, uh, we um went out and shoot it, and and like we shot it found footage, right? So you couldn't have actors that anyone recognized because it had to look like a real party that was shot by a kid with a camera. Right. We gave all the extras cameras, so we like they would be just holding like a flip cam back sure. in those days, yeah. and we would use the footage that an extra shot during the party as part of the footage of the movie. Yeah. Like I shot stuff on my iPhone back then <laughs> that we ultimately imported and used yeah. as party footage, and so many of the extras, think about this, we shot like 30 days in a row, almost all nights. Yeah. So we would come in at four in the afternoon, we'd stop at six in the morning, and it wasn't a real party, there was no real beer, there was no real weed, yeah, there was yeah, no yeah. right, it was all fake. Uh-huh. But almost every one of the extras that worked, like hundreds of extras a night, almost all of them came from the dance community. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah so there, like all, all, in there, yeah. all the local LA talent agencies that are the dance talent agencies, uh-huh were the agencies we used to get everyone for the party. Yeah. So like, you'll see, like, even like, I found this like dope, like jerkin crew from Long Beach called Team Dummy. They were like 16 year old kids. Yeah. And they're like all over the movie. Like, it was just cool finding people that like, they had just like had a cool like YouTube videos Uh with 30,000 hits in Long Beach. Yeah. There's a bunch of poor kids from the gutter just like making it. And now they're there every night making $150 a night on Project X. Yeah. And they're all over the movie when you watch it. And that was like some of the, some of the beautiful parts about watching it. Yeah. That's and awesome. some, some of the dancers even got lines and ultimately got credited and it was awesome. Yeah. Probably about were, a dozen. Were you ever into dance at all in any kind of way? I'm like obsessed with the community. Uh-huh. Like I love going, like I always go out every time rich and tone texts me about a party. Like yeah. I'm there. Yeah. <laughs> like every time carnival happens, like I try to be there. Sick. Um, I actually take class at Debbie Reynolds. No way. Yeah. And millennium. Hell so like yeah. I would do like the grooving, the grooves class all yeah. the time where yeah. it's not like crazy choreography, but yeah. it's just like, let me burn a thousand calories and just have you a take showtimes class all the time. Yeah. Like maybe pro- <laughs> probably like 50 times. Uh huh. Um, I love it. Who was the other dude at Debbie Reynolds that did the, the Showtime-like classes? What was his name? Dang. I'm going to remember. I'll figure it out. Okay. It was so good. Yeah. Yeah. So you just, I mean, you're just into the culture. I mean, you're not, obviously, not doing this to be doing dance videos or anything like that. It's just, you're just into it. No, it's yeah. art, man. Yeah, it's yeah. art. It's art and expression. And it's, like, just as important as storytelling and film and yeah. music. It's just, like... I feel like when I'm in those areas, it's just like pure joy mm-hmm. and like the greatest vibes ever. And like, I'm so sick of going to LA parties where everyone comes and wants to look at each other and stand around the room. And when you go to a party, that's like a real DJ and a real, real bunch of dancers. Like that's what I'm used to. Like mm-hmm. that's when I grew up in Atlanta and I grew up in New York. Like that's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, it's just such a beautiful thing. Like I want to do in my new company. Like I want to do dance movies. Yeah. Yeah. You, you seem to have a, a big passion for, um, the youth and kind of like the underprivileged, um, and you started arc, right? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about what the uh, motivation, the inspiration behind that was? Well, it was that time I told you that I, that after we did old school, I walked into a juvenile hall mm-hmm. uh, here in LA in the San, San Fernando Valley in Silmar uh, to, to be a guest speaker in a creative writing class. And I walk in and the first thing I see is a nine-year-old that's fully shackled and handcuffed being walked by two officers. So that was a visual that I really couldn't shake. Mm. And then I walked into this juvenile hall and I sat at a table with like six black kids, five brown kids and two Asian kids that were all in there um, facing life sentences. And I turned to the kid next to me named David and I said, how was your week? Are you, are you okay? He says a really bad week. Uh, I just got sentenced to 300 years to life in prison. I'm like, oh man, what did you do? He's like, I stood next to my homie that shot the victim in the butt. The victim was in and out of the hospital in a day. And for standing next to the person with a gun, never touched the gun. He got 300 years to life. Wow. And I just knew in that moment that all of these kids around this table Um, who had all been through just the worst victimization before they ever joined a gang or became a victimizer. Um, you know, foster care system and physical abuse, sexual abuse, witnessing domestic violence. It's just like none of these kids even got a first chance, a second chance or a third chance. And if this was my kid or your kid, 
they a they would be bailed out so they wouldn't be sitting in the juvenile hall because we yeah. would pay their bail because bail in the united states is if you have money you can get out of prison and if you're poor even if you're innocent um you can't yeah and they'd have the best lawyer and david would not ha ha would get probation he wouldn't spend a, a year in prison but because david was brown because he didn't have money because he came from the foster care system he was going to prison for 300 years of life. And that was fundamentally unfair and fucked up. And that wasn't going to, that's not something that I'm going to live in a state, a county, a city where that's going to happen to a child. Yeah. And so I just got involved, um, in teaching that class worked. It worked while making movies. Like in that same class was a kid named Adam Avila who was going to prison for six years for a robbery. And he didn't look like he was over 11 years old. And he said, Scott, when you get out, can you help me find a job? And when he got out, we were working on, I think, due date or hangover. And I said, show up. And he showed up, showed up two hours early, showed up at four in the morning, out hustled everyone, attitude of gratitude every day, was interning every day. At the end of it, our, our set dresser came to us, our prop master came to us and said, like, this is the greatest kid we've ever hired. Like, let's take him to our next film. Um, we're going to get him in the union. Adam went from making $12 an hour to $48 an hour. He's now in the union. He got his four brothers in the union. Between all of them, they probably make a million dollars a year. It's amazing. They, brought, they bought their family a house. Their family now lives, doesn't live in the hood. So, like, it was just, I was this guy that was a movie producer, but also doing a lot of work in jail, prison, and juvenile hall. And then after Hangover 3 and Project X and War Dogs ended up, leaving to start a, a, a nonprofit that worked with folks, ARC, mm -hmm. Anti-Recidivism Coalition, arc-ca.org. Um, and that was, I took a 90% pay cut to leave the movie business. And that was the five best years of my life working mm -hmm. with people that were incarcerated or coming home from incarceration. That's crazy, man. Want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Meister Watches. They are truly masters of their craft. From quality materials and masterful timepieces to functional lifestyle accessories for the movers and shakers of the worlds they collide with, Meister is doing it. They've collaborated with some of the biggest brands in sports, music, comic book, car culture, and pop culture. We've actually had the pleasure of collaborating with them on a timepiece a few years back. I rock their ambassador watch. This one's my everyday watch. This one's my favorite. They are for our culture and for those that are on a constant mission to master their craft. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and pop in the discount code KINJUSPOD to receive 25% off your entire purchase at checkout. And this discount is exclusive to the Kinjas podcast. You won't find this discount anywhere. Hop on to mstrwatches.com and rock with the illest. This show is officially brought to you by Kinesthetic. Hop on the store.kinjas.com and plug in the promo code podcast spelled with the K at checkout to get 15% off your entire purchase. We're always trying to bring you guys the illest gear for all your movement in the shadows needs. Follow us on Instagram at kin.aesthetic. Like us on Facebook at Kinesthetic Brand. You know, when I hear about stuff like that, I mean, you know, to you say taking a break or taking a step away from, you know, the movie business, the the business that kind of has afforded you to have the resources and the name and the, you know, opportunity to kind of start something like this and then you step away from it. And uh, I'm sure that opens your eyes in so many different ways, right? Um, and then to create something like that, that obviously impacts the lives of so many people who I'm sure there's so many stories, unfortunately, that are like that, like just injustice everywhere. And uh, because of the lack of opportunity due to, you know, social, socioeconomic status yeah. and all that, race, there's so much that comes into it. And that, I mean, that's, that, that's the world that we we live in now um and uh well from coming st taking a step away um seeing all the things that you've seen and then coming back into it uh you recently worked on just mercy amazing film. Yeah. um was that kind of like the the your reintroduction back into like let me get back into this because i need to put out something that kind of uh messaging wise yeah. you know focuses on this issue so, I mean, I think first off, let me say like we all have a platform mm -hmm. that we can use to do good. Um, even dancers, right? Like that's a huge platform. There's there, 
any of the one listening to this podcast could figure out how to go teach a dance class in a school, in a juvenile hall, in a jail, in a prison, the people that need dance the most, mm-hmm. um, anyone can make a difference, can mentor someone, right? Can hire someone when they come home. I mean, there's a million ways to use your platform, even just like voting, go vote in your district attorney election, go mm-hmm. right. Like there's so many ways that everyone can play some type of role. Um, what I think I learned in running a nonprofit for five years, which propelled me back into the film business is one, this is all about storytelling, right? If I told you David is a gang member and committed attempted murder, that's scary. You would say, oh, lock him up, throw away the key. Like, that's scary. We don't need them out here. But when I tell you that David never touched the gun and he's a son of this person and he has children himself and he wants to be a great father and we humanize him through storytelling, then that's how you change lives and that's how you change culture. And I think when everything crystallized for me, I was at a party and I met a guy that ran the movement for marriage equality. 10 years ago, gay marriage was illegal everywhere. Mm -hmm. Today it's legal everywhere. Mm -hmm. How do you go, how do you change culture in such a profound way that you take that issue just completely off the table? People were clinging to their Bibles and saying that's not marriage. Mm -hmm. And when I asked this guy, like what was the game changing moment that allowed you to end uh, or, 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 or allow gay marriage, he looks at me and without missing a beat says, Will and Grace. He said, Will and Grace, Glee, Modern Family, Ellen DeGeneres, Brokeback Mountain, and Milk. Those things that happened over a decade softened people's hearts, humanized gay couples, and gave them the ability to pass gay marriage. Mm-hmm. Right? And I really realized that this is not just about gay marriage. Anytime you can use storytelling, film, television, to bring people more proximate to injustice, to suffering, um, then people change. The way they live in their life change. The way they treat their neighbor changes. The way they vote changes. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, especially after making some a little bit of irresponsible stuff like Project X, that like we can use this medium to tell big commercial entertaining movie star driven film and television but also where it just has some real real meaning within it and can make a real impact yeah yeah i mean when you talk about platform um yeah i mean you know even for for kinjas that has well we're celebrating 10 years uh as a crew this year so we started in 2010 and uh we would have never imagined in our wildest dreams at that point that we'd be sitting in a place like this and uh, having the audience that we have. And, and sure, we, we have the audience because of the work that we put out, right? It, we yeah. put out entertaining stuff. Um, it's funny you talk about irresponsible projects. I mean, we definitely have a, a whole catalog of things that we're like, dang, we were pretty young when we did those things yeah. right and um and then you know you mature and you you go through life and you learn um you know what you truly value and even uh why we do what we do and and if if people are watching because we've somehow entertained them we we've, we've like gained their trust and they're still following you know what is what is going to be the continuation story for for the us for the next decade right yeah so even for us now, like you just, you know, as you met the guys in the other room, we're preparing for this show that uh, we're doing for Vibe, which is the the first show that Kinja's ever performed in, which at the time we were called Anbu Black Ops, which was inspired by Naruto, the Japanese anime. Wow. But we were, we were going through all these, I mean, like not to give too much of a teaser away, we're just we're, we're going through a, a ton of ideas of like what kind of show do we build like do we, we take it back to the the roots or do we actually like where are we at right now as a crew you know like 10 years later and so you know even those types of conversations of um you know if people are watching and people are listening um sure we're, we're gonna entertain and we want to have fun and, and you know still just be able to enjoy what we do but you know to kind of take a little bit of responsibility of like maybe let's like say something you know what i mean yeah, so for sure. um yeah I, I totally i totally resonate with that because it's funny because yeah the last films that i you know saw of yours were the the, the hangover to the project x's and then just i was like oh shoot this is like completely not what i expected yeah. but amazing and you know from you know just yeah michael b jordan and jamie fox absolutely smashed and that. and Ooh. and they care so much about this like to to 
Michael B and Jamie and Bree, like this was not just about making a movie, yeah. right? This was about sending a message and lifting up a hero who's Brian Stevenson, who Michael plays in the film, um, who, who is a hero. Um, and so like, it was just amazing working with them. Me and Mike did this, uh, we, 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 we ran uh, one of the largest social impact campaigns ever around a film to literally like change hearts and minds, change laws around the film. And uh, Michael, uh, me and Michael did this thing where we brought 12 kids who were currently incarcerated. We got the system to allow them out for a day. They'd all been incarcerated for three, four, five years. And we took them out of their cells and put them in a van. None of them had been on a freeway in five years. And they didn't know where they were going. Uh, and we took them to the Lakers training facility. And when they got the van pulled into the lot, Michael B. Jordan comes out the front door and they all lose their mind. Nine guys, three girls yeah. who are all incar incarcerated. This is the day before Christmas. Wow. And at the end of the day, they have to go back to their cells and be incarcerated for Christmas away from their families. Wow. But in this moment, Michael B. Jordan is welcoming them to the Lakers training facility, walks them inside, and LeBron has left 12 pairs of shoes in their sizes Jeez. for them. It's amazing. And we go upstairs. We do a, like a roundtable discussion with the owner of the Lakers, Jeannie Buss, and with Linda Rambis, and Rob Palenka, the, the president of the Lakers, and a bunch of Lakers legends. And then we do have them do a basketball game down on the Lakers practice courts. And just when they think it couldn't be any better, the whole team comes out, LeBron, everybody. Wow. And like starts shooting around with them, shows them love. And so just being able to link like a film and entertainment, like with real social impact, and then being able to tell those 12 people's story, those 12 young people's stories, and get that out on social media, get it out on ESPN, et cetera. Um, this is how we begin to humanize those that are that are incarcerated. That's amazing, man. Um, you know, when I like, yeah, when I hear about stuff like that, cause, yeah, cause I actually read that, um, I found that article, but um, you know, so with, you know, the platform that you have and making the projects, telling the stories, telling real stories, um, being able to actually impact lives of people who are literally in that life they're not you know it's not a movie to them you know what i mean and um you know like when you're able to do that like it makes you know even for um you know people who are wanting to because everybody wants to do big things they want to be famous they want to make movies they want to you know dance on the biggest stages in the world and not to say there's anything wrong with that there really isn't but i think um the why, the, 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 the reason why you do those things. Um, I mean, at, at a young age, you may not have a clear why. It's which is not, fine. You just want the thing. Yeah. Right? And yeah, and I totally agree, which is fine. But then you get to a place where you are actually changing lives, impacting the people's actual lives because you have a way in. You know what I mean? I think that's something that's so dope. Even as I'm just like, you know, hearing you talk. I see the passion. I see the um, your why, and it it's coming from a real place. It's not. It's not like you're doing this so that like oh, so people can like say I'm like this philanthropist, and you know. No, it's the best thing I do in my life. Exactly, and, and, it, I, and it, it also that. does as much for me as it does for others, right? Like yeah. all these young people always ask me, like Scott, why do you do it? And I'm like, don't think it's fully selfless. Like I get as much joy and gratitude out of this. It's mm -hmm. like. On my worst day ever, if I go visit those that are incarcerated and mm. get that inspiration from them, like I leave with just such a different level of gratitude. Mm. Um, there's nothing that can happen in my life that I'm not going to be able to handle, right? I'm so grateful for life. I'm so yeah. grateful for the little things. And they remind me of that all the time. Mm. What um, Was there any sort of turning point for you in terms of a mind switch or like even, I mean, you taking a break to, to start your nonprofit and then, you know, kind of come back with a film like Just Mercy. Was there something in terms of just even you personally, mindset wise, that you kind of were like, hey, I need to, I need to kind of shift my focus? I mean, it, I think after doing Hangover 3 and after seeing 12 Years a Slave and being just so blown away by 12 Years a Slave, I'm just like, I need to... I need to make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. And I need to make movies that make a difference. Um, and I need to dedicate my whole life. Like I can't spend 16, 12, 14, 16 hours a day sitting on a set um, 
where I'm not making a difference. Mm-hmm. Like every day has to be about making a difference, right? And even in just a little thing during the day, right? Just how we treat somebody or having a call where we're talking to someone who's trying to navigate a problem or having just a hard time in life or whatever it may be. It's like every day I feel like I need to, to be of service. And uh, I think that's what really turned me. Hmm. What, what sort of things do you do for your own like personal self-care, whether it be mindset, spiritual, physical? Like, Do you have any routines or things that you kind of do on the regular for yourself? Yeah. Um, for sure, like I sleep really well. Like I'm, I'm like a, I'm not an artist. So I'm like a early to bed type <laughs> dude. Um, so I'm usually in bed at like 10 o'clock at night and I'm up mm-hmm. at five o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So like every night I'm getting seven to seven and a half hours of sleep mm-hmm. and I'm like really serious about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I usually get a good amount of sleep. I'll also, when I feel that I kind of am reaching that point, like I will turn the phone off, like drive up to some of my favorite places like Santa Barbara or Ojai, mm-hmm. Ojai that's right above Santa Barbara, and which is like a very healing place and just like get a hotel room mm-hmm. or stay somewhere and just like not be on the phone and just like relax. And that always like reinvigorates me. Like honestly, going to juvenile hall and seeing these kids reinvigorates me. Like that gives me energy for the entire week. Like mm-hmm. that inspires me. That, that gives me so much inspiration. Being with my family, um, my kids, my wife, um, my weekends are always dedicated to the family, nights and weekends. So I think that's always a beautiful thing. And, and from a, I wouldn't say that I'm deeply religious, but I'm definitely spiritual. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I go to different churches uh, and temples um, to try things out. I've actually been going to Kanye Sunday service, which is <laughs> the craziest musical experience I've ever yeah, witnessed. Yeah, and just like... I spend like an hour and a half and I just can't stop smiling the entire time. There's like an 80 person choir and it's just like so mm. beautiful. And so, yeah, there's some of the things. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. Cause I, in the past maybe two years or so, I've been really kind of searching and I'm genuinely asking people what their routines are. Cause I'm trying to find mine as well, you know, from trying to be better about sleeping. Cause I think, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've right. always lived that artist lifestyle, like late to bed, late getting up, and I'm just yeah. like, it's not, it's not cool to wake up and have the like half the day gone. You know what I mean? So yeah. I've been trying to switch it up from even like doing that to meditating. You know, even thoughts of meditation to me was like, this is like yeah. new stuff, like you know. But I actually, even have the app. I have the Headspace app on my phone, and yeah. I like I do it like in the car if I'm mm-hmm. feeling stress. I'll like pull over and do it for ten minutes. Mm. Yeah, so you know, you're you're a very self-aware. Like, I mean, yeah, for you to be like, you know, I need to, I need to take a drive to Ojai and, and kind of unplug for a minute. You know what I mean? I think it's that's the best, man. Like to be able to do that though requires um, first the self-discipline, but second, um, or self-awareness, but then the discipline to to do that. You know what I mean? And oh yeah, um, were you always that kind of a that kind of a person knowing that like if you need something you're gonna do it and nothing's gonna stop you because i i personally i can get really distracted by the noise and and then not even to the point where i feel like oh i need to shut off from the noise like the 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 noise pulls me in you know and i'm just i can get lost in it and you know even throughout the week i'll kind of like take a snapshot like did i have a good week or or not you know and then and i'll even ask myself what made me feel like it was good like what happened in this week that made me feel like it was good and what happened when i felt like that wasn't such a good day Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and i think there's this you know again you know with social media and this whole you know uh desire to be um in the race i'm relevant I'm, i'm doing big things you know what i mean and um Versus like, I need to actually step away from the, the race for a second because I'm running on fumes right now. You know what I mean? So, I mean, here's the, I think the thing is, is like your career is not going to take any hit if you turn off your phone for a weekend, get away from the rat race of Los Angeles and the mm-hmm. concrete jungle and like go up into the mountains and like just reflect. Yeah. And relax and take care of yourself. None of us, like, that's not going to affect our careers. Mm-hmm. Like, being off social media for the weekend or, or being off other people's drama and the bullshit that they want to bring into our lives. Um, 
And I've also like was very intentional of like those people are not going to be in my circle anymore. Mm. I keep my circle very small with people that bring me joy. Mm -hmm. And if they stop bringing me joy, they leave the circle. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you don't come with good energy and really wanting to see me succeed and be in vice versa, then you're not part of my circle. Mm. And so it's just something, it was just something we all need to do. Mm. Um, outside of, uh, the things like making sure you're getting your seven hours of sleep, um, what else do you do to calm yourself or kind of find rest? I just am very aware of how interaction with people sucks energy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm aware every day when I reach that point where I can't be talking to folks anymore and I need to like retreat back to like my own space. And so just being very aware of that mm-hmm. and knowing like, you know what? I may not be able to go to this dinner tonight that's mm-hmm. scheduled and I may have to call and apologize to the person and reschedule it because if I do, I, I like I actually will get sick. Like if I if I know I'm burning the candle at both ends and if I don't go home and like go to bed or relax or turn the phone off and all that stuff, like I will literally wake up sick the next morning. Like I know my body at this point mm-hmm. where when I feel that way, I know I have to get away from expending energy towards other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a skill, man. That's I say that because that requires full intention. I don't think anybody defaults to that. You know what I mean? Because I think our 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 culture is, uh, you know, I mean, in a lot of ways, it's a people pleasing culture. We want to make sure that we're not disappointing people, and you know, what are they going to think if I don't do this? So I I, I better, you know, not to be flaky. I mean, that would be another extreme, but for sure, um, yeah, it just requires a whole lot of intention, man. Um, So with that, though, you know, the the concept of success, you know, from Scott Budnick to the, you know, being excited about the the hangover projects, the you know that kind of you know from that point of your life to where you're at now Mm -hmm. and with everything that you've um, experienced and seen, how, how do you define the concept of success? Happiness. Period. That's it. That's it. I mean, there were times in my life where I was making the most money of my career Mm -hmm. and I was the most unhappy. And there were times in my life where I was making the least money in my career and I was the most happy. Mm. So to me, it's like, I just had to target what made me the happiest and surround myself with that Mm. period. The end. I love that, man. I dig that. If it's cool, man, we want to do a quick lightning round session. I'm going to fire off some quick, quick fire questions. Here we go. Three, two, one. What is your favorite snack? Hmm. Celery and peanut butter. Nice. Favorite color? Blue. What is your guilty pleasure? Man, anything sweet. What's your favorite book? The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Favorite rapper of all time? Uh, Nas, J. Cole. Nas or J. Cole, probably. All right, all right. New York in the house. Favorite project you've worked on? Um, just mercy because of its meaning. What was the most memorable project you've worked on? Hangover. Um, because everyone was kind of brand new and Mm -hmm. we were in Vegas and it was just a very memorable experience. What is your proudest moment? Um, being a father Hmm. by far spending time with my kid. What is your hidden talent? Getting shit done. Hell yeah. What's your biggest fear? That's a great question. Pass on that one for now. Let me come back. Okay. Um, I mean, probably not getting shit done. Like, like not making the impact that I want to make. Like to me, it's like at this point in my life, it's just like how much impact can I make before I mm. end? Mm. And that's it. What is a dream opportunity for you? Ending mass incarceration and the imprisonment of people of color. Mm. 
What is your superpower? You might have already kind of answered this. Yeah, getting shit done. All right. Dead or alive, who would you love to sit down for a dinner with? Hmm. I mean, I'm on President Obama's board, and every time I'm in his presence, I learn so much. So, definitely still President Obama. Hmm. If you can travel back in time and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? Don't follow the money. Yep. That's good. Less of, more of. What would you want to see less of in the world and more of in the world? I'd like to see less of Donald Trump. (laughs) And I'd like to see more hope and love. Love it. What is your golden rule, your life mantra? Family first. Scott, man, um, first of all, thanks for coming through, man, giving us your time. I know that, uh, you know, like you said, you you choose wisely in terms of where you give yourself. So I, I take that like I, it means a lot Come to on, me. Come on, brother. Bro. This is family here. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, it's been years since we've last connected, which... Um, also just reminds me that time uh, physically spent doesn't necessarily mean um, closeness, you know, and, uh, and, and valuing people. And, I, you know, I think I've never had this type of a conversation with you, you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, first sure. we're just like going to grab lunch, but we're like, yo, man, like, would you want to come and talk on the pod? Um, but like, you know, I think the time that we spent back years ago, um, and, and the, the laps that we've had, which I'm sure you've like, I mean, as I'm learning, you've done a ton of things that, um, with what you said, what you, what you value wanting to leave as much of a positive impact while you're here. Um, man, that's, it's just truly inspiring. It's, uh, you know, I'm, I gotcha. I'm, I'm right you know, I'm 38. I'm not, you know, this 21 year old dancer, bright eyed, like I just want to be in music videos, you know, anymore. Yet I still love what I do. And, um, you know, even with things like podcasts, the reason why we have this is because I'm on a personal quest for, for knowledge and, and, uh, gleaning off of other people's experiences, people that I respect. And, um, you know, with, everything that you're saying here like you're a man of intention man like i i could just it it's just like emanating from you, you and uh your intention is so um respectable and commendable and it's uh it's it's freaking noble man and um thank you my boy yeah just with everything that you're doing and i know you're you're working on other things right now too that i can't wait to see what comes out of those things but uh, I, I want to thank you for using your platform in the way that you are. Um, if I were to do like a more of, I would want more people like you to um, use what they have, the resources that they have to really make some change, you know? And Thank you, bro. What, what would you want less of? Ooh, less of. Um, I think I would want less comparison. Cause that's something that I really struggle with straight up just to be mm-hmm. totally honest, like to compare what you're doing versus what the other guy is doing or what you have versus what the other guy has. And that's something that like, I know, uh, I don't want to keep doing that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, um, I think, yeah, just to have the, the people that you look up to and having these sort of role models who are, um, yeah, it's, it's sure it's selfless acts, but you're like, you said it yourself, you're getting so much joy out of it. So it's kind of a one in the same coin, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you're doing it for the other, but then you're receiving so much out of it for sure. And, uh, increases your own outlook of gratitude on life. And, um, it's really inspiring. And again, as I was telling you before, you know, our audience, which may primarily be made up of dancers that are trying to find their thing right their pursuit may or may not even be in dance and i and that's why i love having people who are from different industries uh be able to offer mindset because i think mindset is mindset it's the human mind there it doesn't matter what you do what you're into what what color you are what you believe in we all share the human experience and i think you have a lot you have a lot to offer and uh yeah i'm just thankful that you came to share man thank you bro thanks for having me 
course. Um, what's going on? How can people follow, you know, the journey? Where can they, you know, read up on you, see what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, definitely. Scott Budnick one on Instagram, uh, and, uh, represent justice.org, uh, is our campaign around criminal justice. Uh, so let's get involved. Let's go. Let's go. I'm sure you say you're working on another uh, film project, but, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about we'll that. talk about that next okay, time. That's next time. That's over lunch. But uh, thank you again, man. I appreciate you, bro. For thank sure. You. Thank you, brother Ben. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening or watching. Um, if you guys are just tuning in to find this episode by itself, we have a bunch more. We got 80 some odd episodes. We're a year and a half old. Thank you guys for following the journey up until this point. Um, if this is valuable to you guys in any way, all we ask that you do is share it. Take a screenshot of you listening to it on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Tag us. We're on IG, Kinja's Podcast, Cast with a K, Twitter, same thing. We're on Facebook. Um, and just, yeah, let people know what you're digging. I love reading all the little comments of what you guys are learning from each episode, what guests that you're into. Um, hop onto your podcast app. Leave us that five-star rating. Write a review. Could be a sentence. Could be a paragraph. Write me a story. I read all of it. All that stuff's very helpful to just help us get this thing better. And um, thank you guys so much for listening. And as you can hear from me personally just interacting here, there's a lot to be learned from just the human experience. So appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace.